Here we go, Toronto. Today, TSN 1050. TSN 1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until 1 o'clock. A lot to get to this morning and into the afternoon. Talk a little golf. Ryder Cup implications out of this weekend. The Dell Technologies open. And we'll see what Tiger Woods is made of. Can he, one, earn a playing spot on the Ryder Cup team? Two, continue in the FedEx Cup playoffs. Will Gray from the Golf Channel. Stops by in about 20 minutes. Talk some Maple Leafs. Terry Koshan, Toronto Sun, one of my favorite guys to talk Leafs with. And we're going to go over with him a few of the off-season scenarios and circle back to some of the polls we've done over the last couple weeks on Twitter, which, by the way, you can tweet us at AndyMC81 at TSN 1050 Radio. Like, captaincy. Who should be the captain? Lines. Who should play with who? And just go through some off-season Maple Leaf stuff as training camp rapidly approaches, folks. It is almost here. So I'll be at 1220 with Terry Koshan. Then 1240, Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports senior NFL writer stops by. And some breaking news just before we went to air. This is 10 minutes old now. Michael Kendricks, who was with the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles last year, lucky me, joined the Browns, looked really good this offseason. He's been charged by the feds with insider trading. He says, part of the quote, I would like to apologize. Four years ago, I participated in insider trading. I deeply regret it. Invested money, blah, blah, blah. In any case, he apologizes. He won't make the trip to Detroit with the Browns for the last preseason game. And who knows what the future holds for Michael Kendricks? Because uh, I know, I'm, I'm not big into law, but I know the, the feds, the FBI, they, they don't like insider trading. So we'll have to see what the future of Super Bowl champ Michael Kendricks is uh, one of the really great inside linebackers. You can pop him outside, rush the passer. Really dynamic guy, but he made a, uh, a, very, a very bad decision four years ago, and it's coming back to catch him now. So we'll talk with Charles Robinson about that, and obviously the Khalil Mack situation. How the hell he is not signed by the Oakland Raiders, or long-term the extension? He's technically under contract. He is under contract, so you can make the argument on two sides. All right, you got to show up, play. You're under contract, play. But also, if you're the Raiders, with John Gruden, 10 years, $100 million, fully guaranteed for John Gruden coming out of the Monday Night Football booth. This is a statement year. The team's going to be moving to Vegas soon. You have Derek Carr, young quarterback. You have Amari Cooper healthy. And Khalil Mack is your star, your stud, your linchpin on that defense. You need him. So at some point, I get the players got to play. But holding out and the team not figuring this out, it's just going to set them back. And that AFC West is wide open. This can just as easily be the Raiders' division, or they could just as easily finish in last. Questions in Kansas City. You got a new quarterback there. Pat Mahomes, Case Keenum with Denver. Nothing guaranteed there. Like You have an opportunity to go get this division. And he's not signed. And now it looks like he won't be there until at least week one. So if he's not and he hasn't done training camp, you have to think of it this way. All right, if he avoids a soft tissue injury, that happens all the time. Guys sit out, pop in, boom, hammy goes, calf goes, quad. Misses a few more weeks. Even if he stays healthy, even if that happens going to take a couple weeks to get back into it 
all of a sudden you're three weeks in without your best defensive player. Where if you're 0-3? Well, now you're trying to climb out of that, that cellar in the AFC West. And oh yeah, the LA Chargers with Phil Rivers, maybe the most set team who can jump up. You can't fool around if you're the Oakland Raiders. Talk to Charles Robinson about Cleo Mack, Michael Kendricks, and off-season storylines heading into the final week of the preseason. And I'll have TSN 4 Downs every Saturday at 11 a.m. here on TSN 1050. Started last week. Gave away some Domino's Pizza. Going to have a great show this week as well. So that's going to be 11 a.m. every Saturday here on TSN 1050. So much to get to around the NFL, though. You have Le'Veon Bell as well. Pittsburgh Steelers. And this has effect if you're doing your fantasy football draft. Le'Veon Bell saying uh, there was a report that he will be back Monday. He tweeted out, quote, fake news. I never said that. Le'Veon Bell, again, holding out for a longer contract. This is what I don't understand. The guy's getting, what, 14, 15, 16, 17 mil guaranteed one year. I get that you want the extension, but in the NFL, it's all about the guaranteed money. That's guaranteed money. If you get franchise tagged or you accept that, that is fully guaranteed. As soon as you sign on the dotted line, 100% guaranteed. You could walk out of the room, twist your ankle, fall down the stairs, you're getting $17 million. You're getting that money. Why wouldn't you sign it? Take it. Okay, hey, go a year to year, and if one year you get hurt and you don't get 17 mil, well, at least you have that all wrapped up. So Le'Veon Bell, another one that might not be reporting to start the season to the Pittsburgh Steelers that are kind of teetering. Just They're still, I think, the, the number two team in the AFC, at least behind New England. Then you can make arguments for other ones. But teams that are settled and have people in place at a high level, Bell, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, they're right there. But you need Le'Veon Bell because the drop-off is massive. We're also going to talk some Blue Jays today. And as the waiver trade deadline rapidly approaches, it's August 31st, we look at who the Jays might trade, right? Is it going to be Josh Donaldson, rehab assignment? Is it going to be whoever? That's all well and good. But as we talked about yesterday with Gregor Chisholm, we know they're not going to be getting anything notable, right? They're not going to be getting anybody who you know is going to be good. You might get a prospect, and then three years, like, wow, that guy's really good. But you don't know. And that's the problem with the guys the Jays are trying to trade with expiring contracts is their high upside, low, like bust potential. There's not going to be too much in between. And maybe you hit on one of those, and I get that. Hey, you get rid of some of these contracts. Bring 10 guys in, maybe one works. And maybe that one is something special. Then boom. Then you got something. But our question that we're going to put out there is the Blue Jays' demise. As we look now, we're two years removed from the playoffs. The demise of the Blue Jays. Let's bring in producer Joe Narsa here. Joe, Blue Jays' demise, my friend. We're going to ask and put out on Twitter, at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81. We'll put up the poll question. Who's to blame for the demise? Because you have to point to the front office. You can't point to an individual player or John Gibbons. So we'll put out there, is it Alex Anthopoulos? And it's stay with me as the reasoning to maybe this is why. Alex Anthopoulos, pretty much new. New guy's coming in. He's going to be on the way out, right? He's going to be. So he went all 
in. All the chips in. Emptied the farm system. Prospect, no. Signed whoever he needed to. And we got two great playoff runs out of it. Not good enough because we didn't get back to the World Series. But he went for it. However, now it has taken a turn and the new regime, Shapiro, Atkins, I say new, a few years old now, has had to rebuild, in a sense, rebuild the farm system, rebuild the prospects. And they've done a nice job of that. They've started to do that. But we're suffering through some terrible baseball. Case in point, you lose 12-5 to to the Baltimore Orioles, who suck. They are really bad. The Jays are bad. Orioles are really bad. And that's the type of season you go and you still have a month left in this in the year. So do you blame Alex Anthopoulos for kind of like three quarters going for it? Didn't fully go for it. Three, three quarters went for it. Or do you blame Atkinson Shapiro, who when they took over, you had that window. After that second playoff run, you knew you needed to get younger and faster. What did they do? They got older, slower, more injury prone. I'll never forget, come in and say, okay, well, we lost to the Indians. Gotta get faster. Gotta get younger. Let's get Steve Pierce. What? Oh, you mean the injury-prone uh, uh, tweener outfielder guy? Yeah. That was, that was the answer. This offseason. Oh, don't, don't worry. Curtis Granderson's not going to be our biggest signing. Who, who else did you? Yeah. You got, you got Curtis Granderson, who you're trying to deal for scraps. For a broken bat. You got nothing. So they're trying to rebuild, but the demise happened quickly, and I don't think it necessarily had to. If you were in the mindset that you kept dealing and you still had that third year, last year you still had a little bit of that window. Red Sox and Yankees coming on strong, but you still had some of the pieces you add, you tinker, you still could have made a go of it. And you didn't. So who do you blame for the demise? Alex Anthopoulos and the long-term, kind of short-term, three-quarter way in, but not all the way in. Or Atkins and Shapiro for really not taking advantage of the playoff window that was still there and now trying to retool it. Joe, what are you, what are you thinking on this, man? Uh, that's, it's a good question. It is Although, a good question. like I came up with it, it is wow. a good question. Half came up with it. Most you're, you're like, like Alex and Papa. 95% you, came up with you were it. Three but I'll quarters leave you in. with the bad contracts as I walk out the door. <laughs> um, I, listen, I have to say um, Shapiro and Atkins. Only for one reason. And I feel like they lost the handle after they weren't able to sign Edwin because they weren't ready to overspend at the beginning of that contract. At the time when you had to. And Joe, this was the knock on these guys coming in. And I remember we were on the air as this whole transition happened with Shapiro Atkins coming in from Cleveland. And I had Matt Florjancic, my guy from NBC Sports in Cleveland, on. And I asked him, I thought, oh, what should we expect out of this guy? He kind of looks like, you know, Robocop from the movie, right? Shapiro, and, and you have Atkins in there, okay? They built up a nice system in Cleveland. He said, Andy, you guys aren't going to like what you get. And everybody else was positive. I said, oh, well, why? He said, they're going to gut the team. They're going to build it up. But that these guys have small market mentality. Think Expos. Get the prospects. Time to pay them. Bye-bye. And you're in that constant wheel of despair. And not to mention, a lot of people are forgetting that... So, okay, if you want to criticize Alex Anthopoulos, you're going to say that there's times he traded away the farm, there's times he traded away for the wrong pieces, and he made some mistakes with that Josh Johnson, R.A. Dickey deal. 
Um, yes, they're not together, I know that. But how many times did AA retool the farm system? He did it twice in four years. Yeah. And the fact that you can do that, retool, make trades, then go completely all go bare, mm-hmm. then retool again, get the pieces you need, go all in, and still to this day, the Blue Jays have a good farm system. And okay, yes, they've drafted other players. Right. But like, again, and this is no disrespect to anybody that's drafted a superstar, me or you could draft Vladimir Guerrero Jr. as in the same vein that any general manager could draft Austin Matthews. Right, if it's there, you just turn in the card. Exactly, yeah. but I would say that, yes, Anthopolis' contracts hurt now, but he did them for the right reason, and I can live with them. The problem is that the Shapiro and Atkins regime doesn't seem to care about building a winner. Then all they did was hold on hope from some fans for a year and a half, and people finally gave up because they realized you can be mediocre. I think it was deception. Contend. I think it was deceiving, to be honest with you, because they said this year they want to be a wild card team. That was BS. Joe, me and you did the, did a Jay's preview show. We called it out then. We said BS, a wild card team. When you go and get Curtis Granderson, Randall Grichuk, Grichuk, however you want to say it, you get yourself Jaime Garcia, which I kind of liked as a fifth depth guy at the time. But, and then it's like, oh, well, injuries happen. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know why injuries happen? Because you get old, slow guys. That's what killed me, Joe. The Steve Pierce thing right after you lost to the Indians that, that last playoff year. And they needed to get younger, faster. It, the window was still there. It was still there. And that Shapiro Atkins group dropped it. That's a team. Now, long term, they're looking big, big picture long term. So they're looking, they say two years. Let's see. But three, four, five, they want sustained success. And I like that. That's fine. However, you were in win now mode. You were in go time mode. And you have to have the stones to go for it like Alex Anthopoulos did. Now, in fairness, double A was, he figured he was going to be out the door. So he was like, ah, what the hell? Let's do it. Maybe, Joe, if he was not going to feel like he was going to leave with Shapiro coming in. Maybe he would have handled things differently. But at some point, like Masai Ujiri with the Raptors, you got to go for it. And he went for it. I was there the game uh, against the Cleveland Indians where they lost and it was done. And it, The stadium felt the polar opposite of the last two game fives I was at just two years before. Mm-hmm. And just a year before. And watching what... You were watching Edwin come up to bat, and you knew that was probably the last time you would see him. And then at the end of it, Edwin and Jose like took a walk around the bases and like waved goodbye. And the, it almost seemed like that deflated the team. And they've mm-hmm. never. We knew that was the end, but it was interesting that right out of the bat, Power Nakin said, "No, we're going to try and be a successful team. We're going to try and continue to win." Deception. And they did the polar opposite of that. Collusion. And all they had to do, and we had this conversation with Taddy, he asked me, what do you want from your organizations? I said, just be honest. Mm-hmm. If you are going to suck, tell me. And I, will, and I will respect the team for that. And you can spin it. Like, the thing is, Joe, if you say, like the Jays did, we're going to be a wild card team, and then you are terrible, well, then you just look like idiots. Because then, if I'm a fan, I'm thinking, well, I, can you not evaluate talent? Can you not, you thought this was going to be good? And you replace like Edwin with Kendris Morales. Well, that's not the same thing, but you thought it was. That's what you were trying to pitch. Anyway, we'll get into some more Jays talk a little bit later. Golf time.
coming up. Will Gray from the Golf Channel. We'll talk Tiger. We'll talk FedEx Cup. We'll talk Ryder Cup next here on Toronto Today. Andy McNamara with you as Toronto Today rolls on on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Still to come, Maple Leaf Chat with Terry Koshin at 1220. From the Toronto Sun, Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports Senior NFL Writer at 1240. But now let's talk a little golf. Let's welcome in Will Gray from the Golf Channel. Will, how's it going? I'm doing well. Good to be with you. Absolutely. Let's start with Tiger. Surprise, surprise. And we know this is a very intriguing and interesting time in his career, going back a few weeks where he said he's going to play in the five, five of the next six tournaments said he's out there to win, he's feeling better, and we've seen flashes, we've seen consistency. But last weekend, it was strange because his putting had been so good, and it was his driver that was the problem. Well, then he started hitting fairways, and his putting went south. This is something that regular golfers can relate to, not being able to put together a full game. But how have you seen Tiger's game last weekend and then heading into this week? Yeah, I think that uh, Tiger at age 42 might be a little more mortal than he was at age 24. So it's kind of been a a year of whack-a-mole for him. Like you said, when the putter goes hot, the driver can't find the the broadside of a barn. And when he's driving it well, the iron sometimes goes south. And then the player's championship, he can't hit the green with a wedge. There's always seemingly been one thing that has been missing from his game, but, but the other parts have been so strong that you know that whenever that week comes around, and he gets it all in sync. You think he's he's certainly going to get 10, and he's probably going to win. That's how well he has played this year. Certainly has exceeded any and all expectations when you go back to eight or nine months ago where we weren't sure how healthy he was going to be or, or how many tournaments he could play. Now he's on the verge of playing the most golf that, that he's done in the season since 2013 when he won five times. Uh, you know, if you if you ask anyone in December or January, if you could see Tiger potentially even making the Tour Championship or potentially playing in the Ryder Cup versus being an assistant captain, I think you could have uh, blown a lot of people away. How much is endurance going to be a factor, do you feel, for Tiger? Because of, as you said, hasn't played this type of schedule in years. And that's got to be a concern as these tournaments wear on, I would think. Absolutely. And it's something that even earlier this season, he he had to take time to even think, can I play back-to-back tournaments? Hmm. I remember in February... When he went from L.A. to Florida, people were wondering, is that going to be too much travel and being in the airplane for a few hours to tee it up the next week? And now we're talking about a stretch of five out of six weeks, seven out of nine going back to the Bridgestone in August. So I do think that, that it is a little bit of an endurance thing. I think that this part of the season, though, the majors are in the rearview mirror. He can take his foot off the gas a little bit. This week, it's a Friday start up in Boston. So you can kind of take a couple days this week, and you don't have to touch a club. You don't have to grind on the range for three, four, or five hours. And I think that that's going to help long-term in terms of keeping him well-rested because you got to remember that the, the big prize that's left right now is certainly playing potentially at Eastlake, but it's that Ryder Cup. He wants to make sure that he has some gas left in the tank for when he goes over to Paris and, and likely tees it up as a captain's pick. In conversation with Will Gray, Golf Channel writer on Twitter, at Will Gray GC. So well, let's talk a little Ryder Cup here. And when you look at how these teams are going to be uh, picked, how, how the performance of Tiger, and we'll stick with him for a moment here, is an assistant captain right now. What, what do you feel he has to do? Like, Is this something where he's pretty much there, going to make the team as far as actually being able to play? Or does he have to hit a certain mark in your mind to actually be able to, to be selected? The mark Tiger needs to hit is having a pulse next week when Jim Furyk makes the pick. He, he is absolutely be alive. 100% a lot. You know, barring injury in the next four rounds up in Boston, 
he is going to be on that team. I think you can say the same for Phil Mickelson as well. The way that the U.S. picks are structured, you've got three picks being made on Tuesday, and then Jim Furyk has a final pick the following week after the BMW. So that's kind of his, his final wild card. You figure he's going to try and, and get the hot player and, and ride the hot hand. But these first three picks are seeming very likely to be Phil, Tiger, and then Bryson DeChambeau, who won last week in very convincing fashion for his second victory of the year and now leads the FedEx Cup standing. And Bryson DeChambeau here, Will, there's, uh, it's incredible the company he's in. The only players to win an NCAA championship, U.S. amateur, and at least three PGA Tour events before their 25th birthday, Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Jack Nicklaus, Bryson DeChambeau. Which one doesn't belong? Like that, That's incredible. Uh, what, what should we make of this guy? Yeah, I mean, he, he's done a few of those where he gets in these lists, and you're like, wow, man, he's what? just really select company. You go back to that summer of 2015, he won the NCAA individual title and the USAM. That's another list that's only about five or six deep that has guys like Tiger and Phil and Jack Nicklaus as well. You, you know, you don't want to put that burden on him, you know, before he's really contended in a major or even won a major tournament. But he does have three wins already, and especially because he kind of stumbled out of the gates when he was just starting as a pro. He missed a few cuts. He struggled with his putting, and now slowly but surely in his second and third year on tour, he's gotten his feet under him, and he's really playing well at the right time. He won the Memorial in a playoff. That's certainly a big event, maybe just a step below some of the the biggest events on tour. And then winning in the playoffs, that's what you want. When these guys set their schedule, they want to be playing well. When the postseason comes around, he certainly is doing that right now. In conversation with Will Gray, Golf Channel writer on Twitter, at WillGrayGC. Well, for the listeners that aren't maybe sure of how – players earn points to get on the Ryder Cup team. We know the Ryder Cup. We know there's a team selected, but there's, there is a point breakdown. Can you take us through, if you're, if you're not named Tiger, as you said, he's an assistant captain. He's going to be there regardless. But for other players to earn their way on, the, the process uh, that you have to go through, because it, it starts all the way back in January, right? Yeah, well, it actually started with, with the majors of 2017. Mm. So the, some of the big events last year counted, but it, it basically is, is an earnings module where, where you get a certain amount of points based on your dollars earned, and the points are, are higher in majors, and they're higher during the year of the Ryder Cup. The, the qualification window, sadly for those of us trying to make the team, uh, that closed at the PGA <laughs> Championship. So we had the U.S., at least on the U.S. side, they had eight qualifiers that made the team. Jim Furyk is going to add four captain's picks, and uh, the Europeans use a little bit of a different system, but it's, it's kind of similar where you have eight guys qualify on merit, and then the captain is able to add four. So after the PGA, you've got your top eight guys for the U.S. They're fitted for their uniforms and their rain gear for Paris. They know they're going to go, and now you have this three- or four-week limbo period where you think you know who's going to be added as a pick, but you're not sure. You have potentially a guy like Tony Finau last week who finished second, and he's playing well. He could, he could maybe sneak onto that team. Kevin Kisner is still in play for the last pick. Xander Shoffley. There's a lot still to be settled for that fourth and final pick and still a few guys that think that they have a chance to crash the party. And we talk about uh, Bryson DeChambeau as, may, as a, a guy who you might not expect to be in certain lists and, and maybe under, under the radar a little bit. And it's still, it still amuses me how Brooks Kepka won, Tiger Woods finished second, and Brooks is like, I have a trophy, and everyone was just talking about Tiger. Like, for as good as Brooks Kepka has been and looks to continue to be, is he the most underrated golfer, or, or at least un- underrated from the general population, like under-the-radar golfer on the tour? Yeah, I mean, he's certainly, the, the radar is catching up with him. Mm. After, after winning two majors in a single year and three out of the last, 
seven in total. I mean, he's certainly going to enter 2019 with a bigger uh, target, a bigger shadow, whatever term you want to use. He's going to be more well-known. The thing is that that I kind of question is some of this is of his own doing. Each of the last two years, he has won the U.S. Open, and there's typically a media tour that follows. You go on all the late-night talk shows. You go to New York City. You do all this this media stuff, and he has chosen not to do that media tour, both last year when he won and this year when he successfully defended the title. So it's kind of like he, he doesn't want to play the game, and then he questions why people don't know his name or why he's not quite as well-known. So it's, it's a little bit of a two-way street, but I do think that his game has certainly stepped up this year, and he's going to be more well-known. It's amazing to think that he has won three majors now, and he only has one other victory on the PGA Tour. When you talk to him, he has said, that's a priority for me. I need to win some of these other tournaments as well. Winning majors is how we measure greatness, certainly, and he's put himself in some select company, but he needs to add a few of the other trophies as well. Right, and yeah, take take a few interviews, bro. Come on, right? Like... Give yourself we some credit. We to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, last one for you here, Will. Uh, Dell Technologies, the ch- uh, championship as the FedEx Cup playoffs continue. Uh, what should we expect out of this tournament? The type of course? Uh, who's the favorite? Who do you like? Uh, I think that you're going to start with a lot, of, a lot of household names. Justin Thomas is the defending champion. We've seen Rory win this event two years ago. Dustin Johnson is trying to keep Kepka from passing him at world number one. Those are kind of the guys that that you can look at, but this is a course, it's, it's not terribly long. There's going to be a lot of birdies involved. Oftentimes you see 15, 18, 20 under par win this event. So it's going to be a little bit of a shootout where you're going to see guys shoot 63s and 64s with some regularity, and it's just going to depend on, on who's able to get hot and, and who's going to get hot at the right time. Rory is the guy that we're going to keep an eye on because he opted to skip last week's event. He, he wanted to get some rest in advance of the Ryder Cup, so this will be his first event since the PGA Championship, and then you also have to wonder what Bryson is going to be able to do as a follow-up to last week's victory. It's hard sometimes in this postseason to keep it going week in and week out, and you got to wonder what he's going to have for a follow-up back. It'll be interesting to follow. Will, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. All right, good talking to you. All right, Will Gray, Golf Channel writer on Twitter, at WillGrayGC. Will this be the week that Tiger Woods finally gets over the hump? Will he be able to earn his way, well, as Will said, he's going on the Ryder Cup team. But you'd like to see it more as, okay, he wins one or like second again and just misses or whatever to really show that he is on the doorstep of being able to be back. And, and not back to the dominant way he was. He just, he's just not that guy anymore. But to win one, like that, I still think if he can win one, if Tiger Woods can win one, not even a major, just win a tournament, win it, then maybe that opens the floodgates a little bit. Maybe it's like, okay, now I know I can win. Because for Tiger, you have to think, it's somewhere in his mind, he wants to win, he thinks he has the stuff to win, but until you actually win, he doesn't know. And we don't know. He's getting closer, which is exciting, but we don't know if he can do it. Still to come in the, in the program, we're going to talk some NFL. Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports senior NFL writer, this bizarre story coming out. Michael Kendricks, former Eagles linebacker, Super Bowl champ, now with the Cleveland Browns, and he has been uh, charged by the feds with insider trading. That happened four years ago. He won't make the trip to Detroit with the Browns for the final preseason game. The league's investigating. Feds are on him. This is ugly. Also, Khalil Mack. Still holding out with the Raiders. Also, Le'Veon Bell still holding out with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Lot 
to talk about there. We'll talk some Maple Leafs as well uh, a little bit later on. But we're going to get back to this Blue Jays poll question when we return. Tweets are coming in fast and furious at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. You know what, Joe? I think I might call an Omaha here, an audible. Omaha! Go old school Peyton Manning. Why don't we open the phones next segment? People seem feisty on this Jays topic. Huh? Steve's giving me the thumbs down. Can we not open the phones? Wow. He could. Yes, we can. He wasn't giving you the thumbs down. He was giving you the rap thumbs up. Oh, it looked like a thumbs down from here. No. Oh, that's the finger. Oh, wrong finger. All right. <laughs> if we get one more BJ Birdie uh, trip, that poor guy has retired for three years or let something. Him, let him rest in peace. It's Ace now. I don't think he died. I think yeah. he's just like... Do you know where he is? In a nest somewhere, well, I would imagine. We don't know. Maybe he's... Never mind. Uh, well, we're going to open the phone, phone lines. Who's to blame for the Blue Jays' demise? You can tweet at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81, or call 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050. Jays' demise since their playoff run. Is it Alex Anthopoulos is doing? Is it the new front office is doing? Or is it something else? 416-870-1050, at TSN 1050 Radio on Twitter, at AndyMC81. Who's to blame for the Jays' demise? That and much more coming up on Toronto Today. Rolling along on Toronto Today, TSN 1050, TSN 1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara. With you until 1 o'clock. Leafs talk still coming up. NFL, Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports Senior NFL writer. That's going to be at 1240. Michael Kendricks. The feds have picked him up. Linebacker, Super Bowl champ with the Eagles now with the Browns on insider trading. Also, notable holdouts, Khalil Mack, stud defender, pass rusher for the Oakland Raiders. Not reporting. Le'Veon Bell, one of, if not the best running back in the entire NFL with the Steelers. Also, not reporting. Both guys holding out for a long-term contract. We can get back to this Jays question here. And by the way, folks, don't forget. Next Tuesday, September 4th, it's the return of Leafs Lunch and Overdrive with Hayes Noodles and the O-Dog. That is all starting next Tuesday, September 4th. But this question, we're getting some great Twitter interaction. If you want, you can call in as well. Keep the lines open, 416-870-1050. On the Blue Jays' demise, I got thinking this morning. Joe and I were talking, and we were thinking, man, like, how did this, how did we get here? Two years ago... Back-to-back playoff runs, good times, everyone has a Jays cap. All of a sudden, the slide last year, injuries this year, nothing. And now you're limping to the finish line. How did we get here? How did this happen? So the poll question we put out at TSN 1050 Radio, at AndyMC81 on Twitter is, two years since the Blue Jays have had any sort of success, who's to blame for the Jays struggles? Is it double A, so Alex Anthopoulos with bad contracts, or... The Shapiro and Atkins duo doing a bad job. And by bad job, we mean not, to me, it means not taking advantage of the open window in that year after the second playoff push, where you needed to get younger and faster, you got older and slower. After that, really, I think misleading the fan base, saying that they thought this team could be a wildcard team. Like, no. Just look at the roster coming in. Look at the additions the lackluster additions. Like be, be straightforward with the fan base, right? Like it, there's there was nothing there to lead you to think that this could be a wild card team when the Yankees and Red Sox are now in full swing. So now we're in sort of rebuild mode. So who's to blame? Four one six eight seven zero ten fifty. The number four one six eight seven zero ten 
1050 and on Twitter at TSN1050Radio at AndyMC81. We have a vote from at Scott Man B. The BJ Birdie has been mailing it in for two seasons now. And producer Joe Narsa, I replied with the, you have to blame Ace. I think BJ Birdie is retired. And, and he says, uh, well, that explains the poor performance. Poor BJ Birdie. Getting dumped on. BJ Birdie was at the, the, the pinnacle of Jay's success. He is legend. He's the most successful mascot next to what? The Argonaut? The Argonaut? Yeah, in the last few years. I guess. They win. They do win. Oh, is that the phones? Lighting yeah. up. Does, does the Toronto Rock have a mascot? Uh, they do. Iggy. Iggy the Rock? Iggy the Rock. He's a guy with sunglasses. So, it's a good mascot. Interacts with fans. I'll be calling the Toronto Rock games again this year, folks, by the way. Year eight. Very excited for that down at the... Well, it's not the ACC anymore. Was it Scotiabank? Whatever the heck it is. But we got a caller for the Jays. 416-870-1050. You can call. Who's to blame? At Scott Man B says the mascot. I hashtag back, hashtag blame Ace. Can't blame BJ Birdie. Have from at Spencer8864 says Alex Anthopoulos is to blame. Let's go to uh, Misana in Toronto. Uh, Misana, I hope I'm saying the name right, man. Who do you blame for the Jays' demise? I blame management. Which now, one? I, I have been a baseball. I said I blame the management. Yeah, but the current management or, or current Alex Anthopoulos? Current, okay. Yes. I haven't been a baseball fan since the Montreal Expos days, because I'm from, I'm from Montreal. Uh, but for the last two months, I've been listening to uh, you guys on the radio, uh, both on the Fan 590 and 1050. And based on my observation and, uh, and, and in listening, you know, every, every new management that comes in will inherit contracts, mm-hmm. bad contracts, all that kind of stuff. So that's part of the, the, the whole landscape of sports in general. However... Based on what I'm hearing, there's a lot of little things that have occurred with this team and, and, and the management of this team. When you compare it, for example, to how uh, the Raptors and, um, and the Leafs have, have done their jobs right. um, in terms of managing players, managing the, the media, this, the, the Ross Atkins and Shapiro have done a horrible job. Horrible what, what do you job think in particular? The- because, because Masana, what I think is that this team, where they had that little bit of a window left, you come off that last playoff year, and they just didn't add the right players at all, and they let it slip away. Is that, is I, that the same thinking? I totally, I totally agree. Yeah. And, and when you have situations like um, you, you see problems occurring with Donaldson, uh, at the end of was it last year? Yeah, and you don't make a move to, to to kind of bolster or strengthen or improve at the time, and now you're in a situation where you're you're going to lose them for nothing, um, and it's just been one after the other, one domino after the other. Exactly, it just, keeps going. it just keeps yeah, going. It just keeps going. Masana, thank you so much for the call. Uh, I, I'm with you, man. I I'm with you. This team under Shapiro and Atkins. Has been, and this is, this is with the mindset of the fan thinking that you're still in contention mode. If you're of the mindset that you wanted to totally rebuild, you thought, okay, we have a core, but don't think we can add enough to go win a title, which I think is garbage because you were, you were close. And if you, you have to at some point go all in. But if that's the mindset, then why not just tear it down a year ago? Why wait? Why? Because you like, the, the butts in the seats? 
because you made a you, you, you made it sound like you're going to be a wild card team. It's misleading to the fans. If you're going to tear it down, tear it down. Do it. 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. Who's to blame the most for the Blue Jays' demise? And to your point, producer Joe Narsa, you just want honesty. If they came out this year and it's like, look, we're in the process of retooling. 2020 is the idea. We're going to bring up the youth in 2019. And off we go. The fan base would be disappointed that the playoff run was over. But at least you can say, okay. And you can focus on different things in the season. Whereas, if you come out and say a wild card team, well, what's your expectation opening day? All right. Push for the playoffs. I think it's very misleading. Very misleading. Yeah, and that's where we were talking about it before. I just... As a fan, you'd like to have some openness and some clarity to know what's going to happen with the franchise. And I know they were worried about losing season ticket holders and losing people to you know come to the games. But ultimately, by not being honest, they're still losing those same fans. And now they're frustrated because you won't want to trust that organization yes, again. Yes, you can't trust them. Phone lines lighting up here. 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. Who's to blame most? For the Blue Jays' demise. And that's the thing. Now, all right, we've also been told by this management group that 2020, it's not a rebuild, it's a retool. Well, how can I trust that? Because you said this team was supposed to be a wild card team. It's not. I, I, myself, I'm not the only one. Could see playing his day, start of the year, not going to be a playoff team. But you said it was. So how do I know it's a one-year rebuild? How can I trust... That 2020 is going to be the year when you go for it, when your history in Cleveland was that you never went for it. You built things up, but you had to leave for that team to get to the World Series. 416-870-1050. Let's go to Brendan in Hamilton. Brendan, Blue Jays, who's to blame for their demise? Andy, uh, I, I personally think it's the new management team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, got, I have three specific points why I think it's because of the time. It's Absolutely. First time um, when they essentially walked away from Jose Bautista and then went searching for an outfielder. And at the end of free agency, they all, they both kind of circled back to each other. I equate that to breaking up with a longtime girlfriend, going to the bar. <laughs> and then, ah, oh, this is familiar. Let's, let's, let's yeah. go home tonight, right? Right, right. So I think at that point, you kind of, like the leader had moved on and you kind of lost the room. The second point is um, when we signed Kendra Morales and let Edwin walk. And not that... Edwin had to stay, but I think it was just an awful judgment of what the market was for uh, a DH or a first baseman or a hitter. Uh, I lost a lot of faith in the management at that point. And then last but not least this summer or this past winter with Josh Donaldson not trading him when his value was right as high as it could be, except for the fact that two years ago he was the best player in the world, essentially. Yeah, um, and you could have got something for him. You could have got something for him. A lot. And to sit there and say, yeah, if everything goes right, we could make a run at the playoffs. Well, the Yankees got exponentially better in the mm-hmm. offseason. The Bo Sox got exponentially better in the offseason. And the Jays were never in anywhere but last place in 2017. Yep. And they never were, were never willing to make a push. Brandon, the great call, man. That was, that was excellent. And I, I agree with you. It's, you had a window. You had a two-year window where the Red Sox and the Yankees were down. That doesn't happen very often. You had to strike. Alex Anthopoulos brought you to a point, and then when the new management came in, you dropped the ball. 
And I've heard the argument, well, they wanted to keep Donaldson for the fan. As a manager, if you aren't going for a title, it's your responsibility to trade that asset for as much as possible. If you're going to rebuild, rebuild. Don't half-ass it. Because if you're worrying about the fans, what's the old saying? You worry about the fans or think like a fan, you're going to be one. Well, now the fans got to see Josh Donaldson injured for two years, and you're not going to get squat for him. So thanks. 416-870-1050. Who do you blame for the Blue Jays' demise? Let's go to Greg in Burlington. Greg, do you blame Alex Anthopoulos? Do you blame Shapiro and Atkins? Do you blame somebody else? Um, I missed the start of the last caller, but I agree with uh, some of the things he was saying near the end there. I guess if you're going to, I mean, it's easy to throw on the Captain Hindsight vision and start to blame the new regime. Uh, particularly, I think their biggest mistake was not getting Edwin. Mm. But, uh, I mean, at the time when, I mean, Sanchez was supposed to be back and healthy. Estrada was supposed to be good. Stroman was supposed to be good. Donaldson was supposed to be a healthy MVP-type caliber player. So I don't think they necessarily misled and fooled anyone. Uh, I mean, personally, my own honest evaluation of the team this year, they, if everything lined up, they could have been good, but, you know, things didn't line up. And, yeah, like the last caller said, the Yankees and Bull Sox are just that good. So. And that's the thing, Greg. That's the thing. When you see your your competition getting better, and thank you very much for the call. When you see your competition getting better, and you stay the same or worse, remember they had a Curtis Granderson. That was their signing. That was their signing. Look at what the Red Sox, look at what the Yankees added and got better with. And you added Curtis Granderson. Nothing against the guy. I'm sure he's a lovely gentleman. But that type of move is a loser move. That's a move where you're treading water and you don't know where you're going. They worry too much about season tickets, about keeping the fans happy, when if you were straight up honest with it, and to the previous caller's point, Brandon and Hamilton, if you knew with Josh Donaldson, all right, you know what, we're tearing this sucker down. We don't think we can. You trade him, and you get a boatload back. If the idea the whole time was to rebuild, I wouldn't have agreed with it at the time, but at least you can see a clear-cut and decisive leadership. Nothing worse than having a wishy-washy leader that you don't see any direction from. And that's what the Blue Jays have here. That's what they have. 416-870-1050. Let's go to JP in Orangeville. JP, who do you blame for the Blue Jays' demise? I totally blame uh, Atkins and Shapiro. Me too. I just think they don't have a goal in mind. I mean, when they started, again, they didn't sign Edwin and all that stuff, which means... To me, they weren't going big, which is fine. If you don't want to go big, you don't want to win, that's okay. Right. But at least sell your sell what you got and you know build the system well, which they didn't even do with Donaldson. No. So what, what are you doing? Are you going big, are you selling off, or are you just in between? Because if they're just in between, they're going to be the Maple Leafs of the past 10 years before Shanahan came in, and no one wants that again. Great comparison. Great comparison there. Yeah, JP, I, that's, that's a terrific point. They're half-assing it. That's, that's what they're doing. And for Edwin, Kendris Morales was a poor man's Edwin Encarnacion. Now, if you didn't want to sign Edwin to the big dollars, okay, again, it's not that I'm like, oh, you're, you're, you're doing terrible because of Edwin. But to be like, all right, we'll just slide in Kendris. Not the same player. And if you're not going to get Edwin and you're going to want to win, well, guess what? That's why you get paid the big dollars as a GM, as a president, to make those tough decisions and figure it out. It's not our job to give you players here. It's your job to figure it out. You didn't want Edwin. You didn't want to play. You look, maybe you think he's diminishing, whatever. Okay. You know, I'll hear that. Um, 38 home runs last year, 28 home runs this year. Looking pretty good. Edwin Encarnacion. But 
Mid-30s, okay. Go get somebody else. Go get them. I'll say it again. You had to get younger and faster out of the Indian series. The window was still open. You had to make adjustments. And this front office didn't do it. But gave out the impression that they were. And that's where my problem's at. If you didn't want to, fine. If you wanted to rebuild, fine. You still had that one year. I still think that third year you could have made a go if you made the right moves. But you didn't. And you got slower. You got older. Made no sense to me. So they kind of just wait. Okay, well, we'll get another year and a half out of the fans and then we'll figure it out. No. You could have started this thing a whole lot sooner. We could have been a year, year and a half into this thing. Oh, and also have a ton of assets from Josh Donaldson before he was injured all the time. We'll keep up with this Jays talk a little bit later on. Um, man, actually, you know what? We'll, we'll keep with it. We'll do it. We'll keep with it next. You can call 416-870-1050. We'll get to your tweets as well at TSN 1050 Radio at AndyMC81. Talk to Terry Koshan from the Toronto Sun. Maple Leafs at 1220. NFL Charles Robinson, Yahoo Sports Senior NFL Writer at 1240. Coming at you hot here in Toronto today. TSN 1050.